welcome to Deeper, a podcast of Wollongong Baptist Church. The podcast aims to follow the sermon series and to take our congregation deeper into God's Word. Well, as always, it's wonderful to have you listening. I'm Sarah Leffley, and here I am today with a double treat. I've got Pastor Mark Roberts. <laughs> Hello. How are you today, Mark? I'm pretty good, thanks, Sarah. You? Yeah, I'm pretty good, yeah. I'm very excited to have the wonderful surprise guest. This is the exciting <laughs> yeah, part, it not is. that I'm here. No, but... Dave Craft. Hello. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. How are you feeling about this? Let's be quite frank. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling okay about it. Good. It's, um, yeah. You have been on one of these podcasts before. I have. Back in the day. More experience yeah. than probably me then. <laughs> Good news. Would you like to launch straight in or should I um, detract a little bit and go talking about church meetings? What would you like to do? Um, we can chat about Let's take a detour. <laughs> a detour? Meetings. All right. Yeah. Highlights, church meeting highlights from last night. Uh, well, the answer I always give to this is uh, welcoming new members. Mm. That's... Um, it's the th- a thing that I'm really passionate about and so good. Last night I got to welcome two new members into our church and uh, look, I'm really looking forward. Every time we have new members come in, you know, it makes me think about what is our life going to be like. It's like having new people in your family and that ch- it changes things and in a good way. And so we have opportunities to love and serve these brothers and sisters, this brother and sister and them to us. So that was, for me, highlight. Yeah, I think looking at... The highlights over the last couple of years of what's been happening at Wollongong Baptist, um, and then looking forward, it's it's really exciting to see um, how much growth there's been. For sure. Um, and obviously, there's lots of challenges that come with that. But yeah, it's really nice just to stop and reflect about everything that God's been doing at church over the last couple of years. Wonderful. I really liked hearing about Immerse, which obviously you're really involved yeah. in. I had no idea it had grown so significantly. Yeah. Yep that it was almost becoming a problem in terms of noise. That's yep. what a wonderful problem Good to problem. have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, God's using you well. That's wonderful news. Mm. All right, I think it's your turn then. Let's start talking about your wonderful sermon. Um, I found it really encouraging and it was full of great reminders that I was really in need of hearing, so thank you. Um, I'm wondering, what does it look like to live a life that's characterised by rejoicing, where we're just so convicted by the goodness of Jesus that we, we celebrate the work he does in people? Uh I was a bit sceptical of Kanye. I've been sceptical <laughs> of the Justin Bieber. I've, you know, I've gone through all yeah, of that. Man. I'm guilty. And so yeah. I want to know what, what should it look like to live a life of rejoicing? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot as well. Um, I think it starts with reflecting with our Christian friends about what God's been doing in our life. Um, I think so quickly we talk about the negative stuff with them. We talk about the stuff that's hard. And it's not very often that we actually just stop and we say, oh, like, how have we seen God working in our lives um another thing i was considering is i have a bunch of christian friends i don't know their testimony Mm. and i'm like i should i should Mm. ask them their testimony i should ask them how um yeah they came to understood the gospel and how they decided to follow jesus i think the more we do that the more that we think about god working in people's lives that 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 will excite us and we'll rejoice in those things Mm. um i think another thing we can do we often are just stuck in our own situation. We're just thinking about our own context. Um, I think it can be helpful to just ask people what's going on in their lives, talk to people at church who you wouldn't normally um, about their ministries that they're involved in. There's so much good stuff happening at WBC that potentially we're not seeing. Um, have a look at who's who's doing what. Go and chat to them. Say, how are you seeing God at work in your ministry? 
um, I think that would be a really valuable thing. Um, outside of that, I think we can read about what God's doing around the world. Um, God's working in so many amazing ways. Um, in different countries, um, there's massive growth in Asia and in Africa. Um, yeah, so instead of just thinking, oh, where's, where's God in Australia? Mm. Let's let's do some reading about what he's doing around the world and and rejoice and celebrate in that as well. Mm. Um, it's there's a, a fundamental um, conviction behind all of that advice that uh, that this is the big thing that God is doing in mm. the world and that He has been doing uh, for thousands of years, calling people to Himself and rejoicing in that is in a sense is putting that belief. Uh, front and center in our lives, and saying, yeah. if, if we, as we do our lives, interact with people, we ought to expect that God is at work doing this stuff. So let's pay attention to it, and let's, when we notice it, let's turn it back into thanksgiving to God that yeah. He He yeah. is working in all these kind of ways. So there, there's something kind of um, foolish, I guess, about not rejoicing yeah. because it is to ignore reality, mm. uh, to to fail to see God bringing people into His kingdom and the way He's doing that, and to give thanks to Him for that is to be oblivious to what your heavenly Father is doing through you and around you, and yep. that seems like a really silly way to live. So I'm in I'm in favour of rejoicing. I think that's worth doing. Yeah, there's some really practical ideas there. Thanks. Also, um, I love that verse that you referenced in your sermon about the angels rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I find that encouraging. I love to imagine this heavenly party every time someone's converted, <laughs> and I think I probably don't party enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also encouraged us to find people to share Jesus with. Is there something um, that you do regularly or a place that you go regularly where you find that opportunity? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on this. It's something I find really, really challenging and um, always have is, um, yeah, being able to share Jesus with people. Um Something I do is I play hockey just for a local team. Um, and something that's been really nice, I had no idea when I joined the club, but it's actually, there's a bunch of other Christians in the club. Oh, wow. Um, so that's been really cool to be able to, able to have a relationship with those guys at sport. Um, and everyone knows we're Christians. Um, and it's just that merging of Christian circles, non-Christians getting together, playing sport together. Um, and yeah, that that's created opportunities just to, talk about church to talk about our faith um and i think because it's not just me but there's others as well we're not i'm not just the weird christian in the room so it's been really nice um doing that um yeah no, i think uh it's made me think that there's there's real value in trying to merge those circles not just see it as two separate things but actually like our christian friends and our non-christian friends spending time together is a really helpful valuable thing mm. Um, I have a friend who this will give him away, but he <laughs> he invites people over every Friday, both his Christian friends and his non-Christian friends, and they just throw darts. He loves playing darts. Um, so he's got a scoreboard up and he invites people around. They throw darts, they eat food, and they just chat, and he's made that a thing he does each week. So, um, yeah, I think, I think finding a hobby or a sport that you can do something around with both Christians, non-Christians, is really helpful. I would say as well for people who might be thinking, oh, how do I take a step in this? If you you know don't feel like you've got a lot of non-Christian close contacts you can have these gospel-sharing conversations with, I would remind people that there are non-Christians with us every Sunday at mm. all of our services. There are people in that room who are just exploring the faith, who come along with a Christian perhaps you know out of 
perhaps some sense of duty or perhaps some sense of interest, whatever it might be. There are always people on a Sunday that you can have a conversation with who need to hear about Jesus. And that's true, of course, for Christians as well. We need to be reminded of the gospel, but especially true for uh, the non-Christians who are with us. So it's just a matter of keeping your eyes open for them, taking a step of towards them, introducing yourself and getting to know a bit of where they're coming from so that you can help them to see how they need to meet Jesus and share, share Jesus with him. Great advice. Thank you. Um, I've been similarly along the hockey lines, but thinking yep. about joining a summer soccer team for the yep. same reason is that I've got um, a few friends that I made in the early mum days and uh, it's harder and harder as work gets busier and busier mm. to see them. And I thought, oh, this could be a consistent way to make sure that we are still interacting mm. and maybe if I can get some boldness, find the space to talk about Jesus too. Um, so thank you for the encouragement and the reminder. I thought there was this really significant implication in the passage that um, if we're really driven by our love for Jesus, then there's an implication that we should serve. Mm. And Paul and Barnabas give up their whole lives in service of the gospel. Um, What does the service uh, look like for us? Does it need to be inside or outside our church? What does it look like? Yeah, as I I mentioned on Sunday, I think often we think about serving just as being on a roster. Um, But I think it's it's so much bigger than that. It's more more than just being on a roster a couple of weeks, um, a term or whatever. Um, and I, I think to change that mindset, it's it's helpful to reflect on uh, how is what I'm doing actually advancing the gospel, um, whatever it, whatever it may be. How is this actually something that I'm doing for Jesus in advance of His gospel, um, rather than oh this job needs to be done. I guess I can do it. Um, I think as well as that, something that uh, I've been convicted of is thinking about what does it mean in the weeks that we're not on a roster? Um, That doesn't just mean, oh, it's a week off, I can just go to church and not have to do anything, that's nice. But how does being on a not being on a roster that week actually free us up to still be advancing the gospel, Mm. to still be at church and present and doing things that we wouldn't be able to do because um, we'd be normally serving. Mm. Um, I think as well, serving is sacrificial. It's hard sometimes. Um, some Friday nights, I, I feel like staying at home and yeah. watching the football. <laughs> um, but as I reflect on the eternal significance of serving and advancing the gospel, um, yeah, that, that really drives me that, this is this is important. This is of eternal significance. Um, yeah, and and with that mindset that I'm not just doing a job, mm. I'm doing something for eternal glory. That's yeah, that that's really helpful for me. It's the difference between having the mindset of saying I will do service and I am a servant. Mm, yeah. And like what we want to see in people is not the willingness to say I will do service yeah. but rather an attitude that says I am a servant and whatever that's going to look like whether it's a formal roster or an informal discipling relationship that you happen to be in conversations you happen to find whatever it is that the the posture is how do I use what I've got to advance the gospel yeah. and, and yeah. yeah in all all contexts I really like that idea that you said that it 
it's a sacrifice, so it, it will be hard. And yep. that made me think that, you know, Jesus was the ultimate servant. I think sometimes because I think he's powerful that all his service might have been easy. But <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to think. There would have been nothing easy about washing feet or dying on a cross. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a helpful reminder for me and a great perspective shift of maybe I'm not on a roster this week, but I'm still here to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really helpful. Paul and Barnabas, though, they seem to go quite far from their own home church and serve outside of that. Mm. Um, What's the implication then for our service outside of our home church? Uh, I think we can say that serving outside of our home church is a good thing um, when we have opportunity to do that. Uh, the, The attitude that's mentioned in chapter 11, verse 29, is that the Christians thought about how to help those saints in Jerusalem who were suffering from the famine as they were able so if they had the ability to do it, it was a good thing to do. Uh, and that seems to be the kind of consistent um, directive in the New Testament. Famously, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, let us consider, let us do good to all people as we have opportunity, especially those in the household of believers. So there is this kind of recognition that if you're capable of doing it, then do it. But remember that your primary responsibility is to the family of believers, so Christians first and foremost. And I think the the rest of the New Testament would confirm that there is a, a higher degree of responsibility you bear towards the brothers and sisters in your immediate church family than even to those you know, geographically located around you, but who are not part of your church family. So I would encourage the church to think about um, kind of in a similar way to how we might distribute our our giving, our finances, that there is, according to the New Testament, a primacy that happens in terms of your responsibility to your immediate church. And then you start to look in, I guess, concentric circles beyond that and think about what are my opportunities there as I'm able, so long as they don't detract too much from that area where God expects more of me. So I think things like getting involved in uni ministry, uni Bible group and all those sort of things, they're good, helpful things to do. Thank God for those ministries. But I would encourage people to think about let's not make parachurch ministry trump mm. the local church ministry. That That is really what God has been clear about, that this is the, the primary domain that he expects us to live out our service. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's wonderful that there are so many people in our church who are serving more broadly and involved in work with uh, believers beyond the boundaries of our church. We want to see more of that continue, but we also want to p- encourage people to bear in mind that uh, yeah, first and foremost, l- look around each Sunday at those people and consider what your responsibility is to them. Mm, I'd not ever thought about it at all, I don't think. So that's a lot for me to take home and, chew, and think about. Yeah, later. thank you. Um, Dave, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, the value of a testimony. I too love a testimony. And we've got snippets of yours in your sermon. Yep. Can you give us a more full picture of that? Yeah, sure. Um, so as I said, on Sunday, I grew up in a Christian family, um, going to church and youth group every week. Um, yeah, I'd say that I I remember a point when I was seven um, saying to Jesus, I want to follow you. Um, that's probably when I would say I became a Christian at that, at that moment. Um, when I was about 17, a bunch of really hard stuff happened at church um, with a bunch of relationships I had. Um, so then from sort of 17, 18, I was sort of like, oh, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's going on here. Mm. I... Uh, left home to go to university in Wollongong, um, yeah, when I was 18. Uh, 
I at that point I wasn't really sure where I was at. I was living for myself. I I'd, I'd go to church every couple of weeks, mostly to keep mum happy. She yeah. every time I'd speak to her, oh, "You're going to church," and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I went on Sunday," but um, really it was just to keep her happy. Um, through that time, I would still say oh, I'm a Christian and I still believe in God, um, but he was very much at arm's length, and I was like, oh, "I'll I'll go back to God at some point." Um, Right now, I'm just going to figure things out and and do whatever I want to do. Um, yeah, and then, so that was probably for about a year and a half, two years. Um, and then at the time, Simon, who was the pastor at WBC at the time, invited me to, to his home group. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go along. Um, yeah, and it was through that that uh, Simon and, and Matt, who I spoke about on Sunday as well, started really getting alongside me. Um, as I said, Matt gave up his lunch break to meet with me every week and just, yeah, he asked me the really hard questions and he showed me that I, I couldn't do both. I couldn't live for myself and still say I'm a Christian and have God at arm's length. It was either one or the other. Um, yeah, and I, I was really convicted and I, I was... It was at that point I was like, I need to make a choice. Um, I can't be sitting on the fence. Um, yeah, thanks to God's grace, um, he, yeah, he brought me back to him through that. Um, and it's it's been a journey since then. But yeah, I'm I'm very grateful to all the people who just kept loving me, mm. who kept telling me about Jesus through that. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was seven years ago now so god's been growing me Hmm. since then yeah praise god yeah Yeah. starting our practice of rejoicing now thank you for helping us with that and also i love a story that involves not just um you know your change of heart but also that we get to hear about you know one of our brothers matt grant and how god used him like what a what a great story thank you it's exciting to think that there may be people uh in, in, in the people in our church are meeting up with right now mm. that could be you know sitting here a few years from now telling the story about how that person continuing to be faithful and share with them and show up week after week was actually what God used yeah. to establish them in their faith wouldn't that be wonderful wonderful mm. it's been really helpful for me to consider how how am I now doing that for mm. other people yeah. as well someone's done it for me how can I how can I do that so, yeah. yeah awesome fantastic Tell us about um, the process of sermon writing. You know, start to finish. How long is it? What do you do? What's that like? Yeah. Um, this this was your first sermon. First ever wow. sermon. Yeah. 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 It, it, it started about four months ago. So um, it's been a long process. And um, I, would, I would just for the dear listeners, that's unusual for a sermon to start <laughs> four months ahead of time. But, yeah. yeah. So the context is um, last semester I was doing a youth works course on preaching. Um, and part of that was picking a passage, um, writing a sermon outline, coming up with a big idea, and then turning that into a 15-minute sermon. Knowing that I was going to be preaching um, this year, we picked Acts 11 for that. Um, yeah, because we'd looked at the calendar and thought, oh, that, that would be a good week for me to preach. Um, so I started working on Acts 11 about four months ago. Um, yeah, it was like the formal youth works assignment. I had to had to write um, a sermon outline, submit that, uh, got feedback on that, then wrote a draft from there, submitted that, then wrote a sermon from there, presented it just in front of Ken, which, wow. was, which was pretty daunting. I feel like that would be harder than in the church. <laughs> yeah. It was. 
Um, then from there, a bunch of feedback from Ken. Then um, rewrote it again. Um, preached that to the three pastors, oh. which was that was fun. <laughs> um, bunch of feedback again, and then um, yeah, I think it was at that point that. I was like, oh, hang on a sec. What I'm writing here is not just for an assignment. Mm. Um, I've written heaps of essays, and it, and it was sort of essay style, I guess. Um, but this is something that is for real people with with a context, with real stories, with real things happening in their life. How do I how do I go from sort of an essay style to actually being able to speak pe- speak to people and um, making it personal and all that sort of, mm. sort of stuff while being faithful to the text. Um, so that's kind of what the last couple of weeks were was was changing the bones of what mm. I had for youth works and putting flesh on it that's mm. actually helpful and practical and um, and caring for people. Um, in terms of time, we were just we were just chatting about that, <laughs> <laughs> trying to do the maths of how many hours Dave put into this yeah, sermon. Right. Yeah, I, I think it ended up at about four, forty hours. Wow. I think it's something. Pro- I reckon like it's that. probably more more than That's that. To be incredible. honest, maybe more. We spent yeah. a day up at uh, when we were at the Oxygen Conference last week, just kind of putting final polish on things together, mm. and actually working as a team on this as well. Like yeah, you've yeah. had. Um, in typical sermon writing, you do get you know input from other people as you discuss things and over the course of the week or however long it takes you to write the thing. Um, and so you're getting voices and feedback in, but in Dave's case, it was much more deliberate and intentional. Mm. Yeah, you got yeah. a, a, lot yep. of, um, a lot of voices in your ears, which may be too many voices at some point. But um, yeah, I think that's a really healthy thing, actually, that mm. um, th- what, what is being preached on a Sunday is a community project in yep. a sense. It's a reflection of like our sense of what the church needs to hear um, as, as a collective, not just your own insights and that mm. sort of thing. Um, so they put in a tremendous amount of yeah, work and work. publicly, I haven't had a chance to do this publicly, but I really want to commend him for the, the work he's put into this sermon to serve the church. I think the church were really blessed by that, mate. So thank oh, you for your re- work. The result right. was good. <laughs> the labour was hard, but the result was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know more about your decision to do MDS. How did you know that that was the right journey for you? Yeah, I think it was it was probably it was in April last year that I was I was trying to figure out what does 2023 look like for me. Um I w- I was finishing off my teaching degree um and I was like oh, I'm not really sure what I want to do next year. Um I'd been doing youth ministry for 4 years and like absolutely love it. Um and there was a bunch of stuff that we were like, oh, we, we really want to invest in, in this ministry, but we just don't have time. We don't have the capacity. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I should do something about it. Like the words of Kevin DeYoung, just do something. Mm. Um, so I started chatting to Ken about it and, and I was like, oh, actually, this, this could be a really valuable thing to invest in for a year and to spend time on. Um, so that's kind of where it started um, and, it, and it just built from there. I didn't, at the point, at that point, I wasn't, Thinking about MTS as such, I didn't really know what MTS was, and that that came a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it started just with a with a passion of, of mm. doing ministry and wanting to spend some time investing in that. I think, yeah. I I, I want to um, help the listeners to notice that um, the decision for Dave to do MTS was not some uh, you know divine word that mm. uh, confirmed for him that this is what he wanted to do. It started with just. He was involved in ministry, passionate about ministry, and had the opportunity to give time towards investing in this, regardless of whether it was going to lead into full-time vocational ministry or not. He, he saw the opportunity to throw himself further into the, advancing the gospel mm. when he took the opportunity. And I, that's the attitude we want to see for people considering MTS, actually, is just people who recognize the importance of 
seeing people know Jesus and playing some role in doing that and then willing to give it a crack. Really living the idea of being a servant. Yeah, 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 that's right. Our hope as a church, we talked about this a little bit at the church meeting last night, is actually that the MTS program at WBC would grow and grow and grow. We would love to get to a point where we've got multiple MTSs on every single year because we think that's a big part of how we are going to be a church that produces gospel Mm. leaders, uh, both for our church and for the church more broadly. Um, The reality is that we as a church can't, expect the cavalry to come and provide us with leaders from the outside, people who are ready, ready formed for gospel ministry. We've got to take the responsibility to see those people developed from within. And so I think it's a really wonderful example that Dave set of just being willing to you know, put his hand up and give this thing a crack yeah. and give up a year of his life to do this. And we certainly hope that there'll be more and more people in the future at all ages and stages of life who are mm. willing to do the same. Wonderful. All right. The next one's a triple barrel question, so I hope you're ready. I <laughs> uh, would love to know what have you found, what have you loved about yeah. MTS? Yeah. What's been challenging, and have there been any odd surprises where you thought this is going to be awful, but then you've <laughs> loved it? <laughs> um, yeah, obviously I've loved doing youth ministry. That's something that that I love, and the reason why I wanted to do this this year. So um, yeah, that's just been such a joy um, to spend time investing in that um to see our youth growing in their faith and their maturity to seeing our youth group grow um yeah it's been really really exciting so it's been yeah definitely have seen fruit in that which has been really cool um definitely the the challenging things the hard things is that doing the upfront stuff service leading i was like oh man and and like it's hard i find i don't find that supernatural but um yeah i'm I'm glad that, that I you have can to say do it. it. That I threw you under the bus. You're glad that I threw you under the bus. That's yeah. cool. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. But I am like it's it's the challenging things that grow us. So that's been yeah. good. Um, I was pretty petrified of preaching. Like mm-hmm. I I knew that it was going to be something that potentially I was going to do, and I was like, oh man, like that's <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. Like mm-hmm. it was hard. It was a lot of work. Um, but. To- totally worth it like mm. um yeah after sunday i was like oh that, that was actually a really good thing so um yeah it's definitely been the the challenging things that i wasn't looking forward to which have probably grown me the most mm. like i love doing youth and i know that god's gifted me in doing that stuff but yeah it's been the the challenging things that have grown me the most i think um and uh, the other thing that's that's been so good about this year is just um I mean, it, it sounds obvious, but spending time with the pastors and um, Kate and Kyra in the office and just the the value in conversations that you have even over, over lunch and stuff and talking about ministry all the time and um, seeing how our pastors care for our church and mm. care for our people has been super valuable. Um, and I've learned so much from that as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And finally, and lucky last, how can we pray for you? Yeah. Um, Keep praying for our youth group. Um, yeah, it's been really exciting, so much growth, but uh, lots of challenges in that as well. Um, pray for our leaders that we can build those relationships with the kids. As as it gets bigger, it becomes harder to, to have those um, relationships. Mm. So pray for that. Um, pray for work for next year obviously i'm i'm currently looking for for work so just pray that god will 
provide something um, that he'll give me wisdom as I make decisions about next year. Um, pray for Caitlin and I. It's going to be another adjustment again next yes. year. So she's she's just started full-time teaching this year. I'm obviously doing MTS this year, so it was, there was a lot of adjustment there. Um, and then there's going to be more adjustments moving forward. So just pray for us. It's been really good. Um, we've had a really good year, but, yeah, just pray that, that God will keep um, yeah, Jesus at the center of everything we do as we as things change and move around us. Um, uh, and for youth for youth group as well, pray um, that we'll find a youth worker. Great. Um, yeah. And I might throw in one more prayer point as well, which is that uh, we'd like to ask the church to pray about whether they could financially support both Dave and the MTS program. As we said, there's, we think there's tremendous value in doing this, and it's a program that we can only run with the generous support of people in the church who are willing to sponsor, essentially, our MTS workers. And so you can go to the MTS website, mts.com.au, search for David Craft, and you'll find all the info in there about how you can go about supporting him. We'd love it if people would be praying about that decision as well. Well, let's pray really briefly about some of those things now, and obviously we'll keep praying those things for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful work that um, you're enabling Dave to do in our church. Thank you for putting on on his heart to be a servant for you and for finding a way to do that through MTS. We pray for youth group. We pray for the leaders, that they'll know how to make meaningful relationships as the youth group grows. We pray that, you know, challenges like noise and numbers, um, that your hand would be in that, that you've already got a plan and we would trust you with that. And Father, we pray for for Dave and for Caitlin in a great time of transition as he looks for work for next year and then possibly finds that work, that you would um, be working in their relationship um, to hold you at the centre of everything, um, that they would have another good year next year, um, loving you together. And Father, we do pray um, that our church community would be thinking about um, how we can support Dave in prayer, but especially financially. Father, I pray that you would let people know that they have the means to do that and give them the the generous spirit to follow through. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much to both of you, but especially a huge thanks to Mike Tamp, our producer, who has done some sneaky work behind the scenes (laughs) in the last two episodes that you guys know nothing about, but we certainly have appreciated here. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a Wollongong Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services at our website, wollongongbaptist.org.